Ecclesiastes, as we're hanging out here uh, for the next, uh, I think, five weeks. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's 12 chapters, and, um, and we're going to be learning some pretty awesome things through this book, okay? Uh, first things first, I want to encourage everybody here at New Hope, and especially if you're new, I want to help you understand what we do around here. Um, this year, we decided we we're going to be a church that teaches the Bible, isn't that like novel? Like we, we want to like teach the Bible. And so we were going through books of the Bible as a, as a church. Uh, we just did last week the giant book of Jude. Like it was one chapter and we had the trio up here, the three amigos, right? We had uh, uh, Jim and Isaac and Sam and I, they did an awesome job. Uh, I tell you what, I'm so proud of us having a teaching team. We have a teaching team. We meet every week and it's cool because we have somebody in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And so we get all these cool perspectives and we get into God's word together and and, um, and it was cool to see that last week, you know, and then bringing the word together. And it was long, but it was good, right? Amen? So you can say thank you to those guys. And, and whenever you hear a good word, right? Yeah, you can clap. Absolutely. You can clap for them. Um, whenever you hear a good word and God speaks to you, I would encourage you to share with the one that gave you the word. Um, because a lot of times we come up here, we preach, we do our thing, and then we have no idea what happened. And that's okay. We're not here to like be praised. This isn't about us, it's about God's word, but it encourages the preacher. It encourages the one that brings the word to know that's what God said. Awesome. And a lot of times people come up to me and they'd be like, were you listening to me this week? Did you have like something in my house, bug in my house? Because I'm like, they're like, you were speaking right away. I'm like, that's not me. Just so you know, I'm not that weird. Okay. (laughs) That's God and the Holy Spirit. He knows you're weak and he will say something to you that I never actually say out loud. And that's what we want more than anything. We want to hear God's voice as we get into God's word led by God's spirit, okay? Amen? And so we want to help you get into God's word on your own throughout the week because, uh, like I say, on Sundays, if you only get into the Bible on Sundays, it's like eating a, uh, like if you're hungry, eating a buffet and then not eating the rest of the week, you're going to be hungry the rest of the week. You're going to be stuffed for one day. That's what people do spiritually. They come on Sunday, they get stuffed spiritually. That was great. And wow, God spoke. And then you get through the rest of the week and it's like, I'm starving. I don't know why I'm so depressed. Where's my anxiety, right? And I'm like, where's God in the rest of your week? Where are you with God? He wants to be with you every day. And he wants you to be in his word every day, to talk to him every day. And so we have this tool that we call our reading plans, right? Our, our uh, series guides. And if you don't have an Ecclesiastes series guide, there's printed copies on the table on your way out, just around the wall there. You can grab a printed copy. Those of you who love paper, um, we still have paper, don't worry. Um, but we also have it digitally. It's in our app, which you'll get the QR code at the end. Um, to have that, and you can use it on your phone. It's on our website. You can get it lots of different ways. Um, and on it, it gives you a way to study God's Word. We call it the SOAP method, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. It's a great devotional model. So if you want to spend time with God, we give you the tools and the reading plan. Now, through this series, you're going to read two chapters every week. I'm not necessarily pe- preaching from the chapters that you read in this series, because Ecclesiastes is, is more of a wisdom book. I'll talk about it in a minute. It's not like chapter verse, like kind of a practical teaching thing. Like it's, it's, it's pretty interesting how it's mapped out. So you're going to read two chapters, and then I'm going to be preaching on what God led us as a teaching team to give to you through the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay, sound good? Yep. All right. Four of you? Good. The rest of you? <laughs> Whatever. All right. So, so grab that, and you'll see we still have it on the bottom, the memory verse. Uh, the thing we don't have is perforated paper. I don't know what's going on with shortages and paper. Like the company we used to use can't get paper. Like they just can't perforate. So there's this thing called scissors. All right. So <laughs> if you want the memory verse, you got scissors at home. Click, click, click. Great. Cut the memory verse off. Um, but this is the memory verse uh, the, for one of the memory verses for this series. And it's about God, right? It's about, it's about um, who he is and what he's done. Um, this is what it is. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This is a great passage about who God is. God's a big God, amen? Like God is a great God. God is a God that we cannot fully fathom, and I'm glad, because he's not like us. God is a God of eternity, and he says that eternity, uh, he's set eternity in the human heart, meaning there's something inside all of us that knows there's something more. And if you're not a Christ follower here, I'm guessing you still have that same kind of inkling in you. Like, there's got to be something more. God put that in all of humankind. And he's using that to call people to him. He doesn't, he's not a controlling God. He doesn't make you robots. He, he wants you to come to him. He wants you to experience him. 
And, and the thing that he wants us to experience is, is something beautiful in time. Beautiful in its time, right? For this God that has done everything from beginning to end, the God of eternity. I love these words in here. Beauty, time, eternity, God. Those are the things I think every human is looking for. In life, we're looking for beauty. We're looking for things that like, wow, like, whoa. We're trying to understand how that fits into time. Like, what do we do on this earth in this time? And everybody's pursuing something in eternal. Like, like what is this thing? And it's God. These are the, kind of the four key things that we're going to see through this whole book of Ecclesiastes. Beauty, right? Um, time, God, eternity. And, and, uh, and we want to find it. We want to find meaning. We want to find purpose. Because think about going through life right now. Man, life is crazy. You know, think, the world's a little crazy. And do you know what's crazy? It's always been crazy. Like, that's the world. That's the world. Have you ever wondered, like, when is it gonna, when's everything going to be okay? Have you ever thought that in a week? Like, have you ever felt like, when is just the world going to be okay? Or maybe more personal, when is my life just going to be okay? Have you ever felt that? Anybody ever felt that? Right? This week, maybe some of you. We all go through that. We all feel that at some point because in this world, we've got wars, we've got fights, we've got injustices. We experience bad things in our lives. Like, why did the bad things happen? Why do I wrestle? And why? I'm trying to do my best. And rarely do we see a full sense of personal peace, like a settledness in life. It's very uncommon to find somebody who's completely centered, right? Like, they're not way, like, over this way or that way, or, like, really, fr- or, like, it's hard to live in perfect peace because of this world that we live in. Sometimes we think, man, if only I had dot, 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 right? Like we're looking for something. We're looking for peace. We're like trying again. It's like, if only I had the right job. If only I found the right girl or the right guy. If only I had this amount of money. If only uh, I, I could find purpose in this hobby or have this car or make this kind of money or, or experience sex this way or, or my health was like a little bit better. Like we put these if only dot dot dots in our life and we wrestle with it. And honestly, the world, all of us, we experiment with how to find that thing. That's what we do. That's the majority of everybody's life. We experiment trying to find how can I feel peace how can I find comfort? How can I, what, what fills me up? What's the things I want to do? Like, that's, that's what we try and do. And yet, we still are in the same place. This is the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> it's this tension that I think is, it's written into the human heart because eternity is written on the human heart. And we're trying to find that thing. We're trying to figure it out. What is that thing? What, what can do that? What if we could do a grand experiment? What if you could do a grand experiment and try everything to figure out what it was. Would you want to do that? Some of you be like, maybe. Uh, some of you are like, that sounds a little crazy. Um, but I don't know any other way to actually find out what that thing is without trying a bunch of things. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to try all those things. Somebody already did, okay? And his name's Solomon. <laughs> Solomon tried everything, Literally, We're going to read that in just a minute. Solomon was a king in the Old Testament. He was the son of David. Uh, David was the God after man, uh, man after God's own heart. Like he became the king over Israel and, and, uh, and over God's nation and God's people. He died. His son Solomon came into rule. And Solomon asked for something. God said, I'll give you what you want. What do you want? It's kind of like a genie thing with, uh, in this scene in the Old Testament. And he says, he realizes there's no way he can lead this nation with his own understanding, and he asks for wisdom. I need wisdom. And God says, that's a great thank you for asking for wisdom. And God gives him all the wisdom. And he says, because you didn't ask for this other things and you asked for wisdom, that was a wise thing to ask for. I'm also going to give you this and this and wealth and riches and fame and all this other stuff. And Solomon got all of that. And so Solomon, we see when he became king, uh, this is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. This is what, this is, this is Ecclesiastes. Like, you don't have to test out and try everything. Solomon already did. He said, I said to myself, come now, I will test, with, uh, test you with pleasure to find out what is good. He's like, all the good stuff I have access to, I'm the king, I'm ruling, I got all this stuff. I'm going to test and see what is good. And, and then he says, I denied myself, in verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no 
pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this, is, and this was the reward for all my toil, dot, dot, dot. We're going to find the answer here in a minute, all right, as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes. This is what Solomon did. He tried it all, and he had it all, y'all. Like, there was nobody else in history who had it all like Solomon had it all. God gave him everything. He had knowledge. He had wealth. He had pleasure. He had work. He had fame. He had sex. Lots of, he had 700 wives. What? And 300 concubines. Kids, don't ask your parents, all right? So like, he like, he had no limit to anything in the entire world. And he tried it all. He tried it all. And the thing is, the things that he tried are the things we're still trying today. That's what people are trying to find. Maybe if I had knowledge, maybe if I had wealth or pleasure or work or fame or sex or whatever it was, that is what we try to pursue to find and fill this gap inside of us that God put in in eternity, this thing, eternity, that's this hole inside of us that we're trying to fill. He tried to fill it with everything else and he refused himself nothing. That's where Solomon was. Just so you know, the end of Solomon's life did not end well. He started strong with God, but in the end, he did the things that God told him not to do. And a part of that is 700 wives and 300 cocky minds. Like, he, he went in his own way. And it's unfortunate the wisest person who ever lived still ended badly. There are lessons to learn in the book of Ecclesiastes. There are things that we need to understand, and, and we want to learn what it actually means to live a meaningful life. And I'm hoping by the end of this series, we're going to find some answers to that question. How do you live a meaningful life? I think that's the question we all want answered. Is that the question you want answered? Like, how do we do that? Some of you are like, well, I found some things, you know, that give me meaning. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to learn about those. You've, maybe you've tried some things that definitely did not <laughs> give meaning to your life. And we're going to wrestle with some of those things as well. So let's hop into this book called Ecclesiastes, okay? So how many of you have your Bibles with you? Uh, hold it up if you've got a physical one, if you've got your phone, all right? Awesome. This is God's Word. This is not just a book. It's not a fairy tale. This is the history and the presence of God. This is the Spirit of God. When we read His Word, we're reading God, His Word to us. And so we open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our spirit. God, speak to me as I read your Word. That's what I want to do every day when we open the Bible. God, speak to me. And some days, you'll be reading it, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just, whoop, something just glows off that page. And it's like God saying, that's it, that's it for today. That's my word for you today. Write that thing down, whatever that is. Some days, you'll read it and be like, well, I did it. And you'll check it off, and that's okay. You, you don't get the mountain every day. Some days, you just get truth, and that's good. <laughs> but we want you to be in God's word. That's why we do this, and that's why we're doing these things. So, so let's... Let me introduce this book. It's called Ecclesiastes, okay? So I, I wanted to phonetically, because if you are new to church, you're like, I thought, is this a book like Socrates? Is this a Greek philosopher? Like, who, what is this? Who is this? Um, so this is how it's pronounced. Ecclesiastes, okay? I had to be careful with this one, all right? Um, so let's all say it together. Ready? Ecclesiastes, all right? One more time. Ecclesiastes, all right? That's how you pronounce it. And this word Ecclesiastes, it's, it's, its definition, what it actually means is congregation or assembly. It's a book that a teacher wrote to the assembly. He's writing it to anyone who would hear, the assembly of people. And so that's what this book is for. It's to be read in an assembly for us to understand where wisdom, what is this eternal thing, what, what is life, okay? And that's, the, that's how Solomon wrote it. Um, it's in the New Testament. We have a Greek word called ekklesia. It's, it's kind of the root of this. Ekklesia means church, right? That's, that's the Greek word for we now in the English say church, but really it just means a gathering of people. That's what it means. Um, the, and unfortunately in English, we turn church into a building. And so when we think church, we think a building, a location, and a time. And that's not the actual definition of ekklesia. Uh, um, it's the people, the church is the people. It's the congregation. It's us gathered. And so here we are. We're going to dig into a book that was written for the congregation from someone who is wise and who has experienced it all. This book is one of the Old Testament books that we call the wisdom books. The books like Proverbs, Psalms, Job. These are books that aren't, they're not necessarily storytelling, right? Like there's, there's pockets of wisdom in them. 
And when you read it, there's, there's sometimes it's, it's like poetry. Um, you, you read usually a lot of emotion attached in, in these wisdom books. Um, and so it's, it's different to preach from a wisdom book because we're getting these little pockets of ideas or these little moments of poetry, and we're unpacking them and, and learning what they are. So if you're reading Ecclesiastes and this is your first time doing it, think of it like that. This is a book of wisdom. It might sometimes feel chunky, like that doesn't really fit with that or that kind of thing, and that's okay. Read it kind of like that, okay? And, uh, and learn from it. It, it. These books, they answer the questions about God, humanity, creation, and the nature of evil and suffering. And these are all things in the human condition. These are the things we all wrestle with in life. And that's why, they're in, that's why God wrote this. That's why God put it in the Bible so we can have moments like this of understanding wisdom, understanding why is there suffering or what, how do I find this or who is God. And, and this book, honestly, I think is, is Ecclesiastes is probably the book for the age right now. I think it's the one we need to hear the most. Uh, because everybody's trying to find meaning in the things that might not really matter, okay? So I'm not reading the whole chapters this morning. I'm just going to read parts of chapter one, parts of chapter two, okay? So that's why you had homework to read all of one and two, all right? And, and to do that in your own personal reading time, um, I want to use our time well, all right? So everybody ready to hop into it? If you are, say yep. yep. Okay, here we go. Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 through 4. And this is how it starts. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Well, I can't wait to read the rest. <laughs> right? This is like a weird book right off the top. You're like, huh? Normally you like set up an argument, right? You know, like give some context and then you kind of get to the conclusion. And he just, conclusion, meaningless. <laughs> it's like right at verse one. This is what the most wisest person on the planet and experience everything says. What do people gain from all their labors and which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. You'll read over and over and over again, under the sun, right? How many times? I think it's 30-something times. It's, it's in Ecclesiastes. It's like, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. He's like, what do people gain from all the labors? Where? Say it with me. Under the sun. What does he mean by under the sun? The majority of this book is him writing only about from the moment you're born to the moment you die. What happens on this earth in your life? So it's kind of like this book, he's, he's writing it from, uh, this is the human experience. Birth to death. Whatever's under the sun. So the majority of it, he's not talking about eternal things. He's not talking about God. You'll see God in there. And in the very end, he comes to the grand conclusion uh, but for most of it, he's like, this is under the sun. This is what we experience in life. This is what we wrestle with, with life. Under the sun, because under the sun, generations come and generations go. But the earth, it's still here. It's still here. Let's skip down to verse 9. He says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Have you ever heard that one? Right? Even if you haven't like, read, read the book, like, that's where it comes from. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which you, one can say, look, this is something new. It, has, it was here already long ago, and it will be here um, before, or it was here before our time. Now, you read this, you're like, but not really. I mean, we've got technology that he didn't have, right? We've got phones in our pockets. We can talk to people around the world. We can, like, stream video. Like, there's obviously... He's not talking about technology, okay? I think he's talking about the human condition, okay? That what has been and what we've all tried and will be the thing we try again, and history repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun. We all are still the same human with the same heart that was in Solomon's age, looking for purpose and meaning. We all still experience that thing. From generation to generation, one generation comes, one generation goes, and he says, meaningless, meaningless. <laughs> like, that's a sad conclusion in life, isn't it? <laughs> like, like this whole under the sun thing just, you know, it's not really worth a whole lot. Like meaningless, meaningless. Like this word meaningless, maybe your version says vanity of vanities. Like when it says vanity of vanities, it's like, it's like, it's like saying, you know, uh, like adding, adding it, 
saying something twice. Like, he's the coolest of the cool, right? So he's like, oh, so he's like extra cool. He's like the cool, cool, right? And it's like vanity of vanities. I mean, this is like meaningless on top of meaningless. Like, this is the biggest way I can say this has no meaning, or this is just, it is what it is. And this word vanities, this word meaningless here, it gets to the root of the original word. It's, it's this word kind of vapor or like a mist, that life is short, right? Um, anybody love bubbles? I'm telling you, I don't care how old you are. You love bubbles. Like there's just something magical that happens with bubbles. Our family uh, went to SeaWorld uh, a number of years, and in one year we went there, and they had this show called Pop, and uh, it was a bubble artist. I don't, have you ever seen a bubble artist? No? Like these guys are insane because they take something that's very temporary, like, like a bubble, right? Like I'm going to try and blow a gun. I can't even blow one. No, that's too many. So he takes a bubble. Oh, come on, add, add. Okay, he takes a bubble, and he does something miraculous with this bubble. Like, he'll, like, put smoke in it, and it'll be hazy, and then he'll add, like, a more giant bubble on top of that bubble, and then he'll, like, 16 bubbles and thing, and he'll hold it upside down and be like, whoa, and we're all, like, like amazed at, like, this whole bubble thing. And then he, like, gets a kid and puts him in a, a kid pool, and then he bubbles him up, you know? It's like a giant bubble on top of this kid, and then boom, and he gets soaked because it pops, and... and uh, but there's something about bubbles, right? The thing with a bubble is, is that's what he's saying. Our life is like a bubble. It's like, let me see if I can get a good one. I just want one good, one nice, good, big bubble, right? So pretend this is your life. Like, pretend that's your life. Right? And your life is just like, oh, that's cool. And then, and then so you get all of us together, and, and, and it's like this. It's like the bubbles just start coming and coming and coming, maybe, if the button works. Yeah, we tested it earlier. But. And that's life. You'll see how far they go. They get to about right there. And it's like, this is all of us. Like, we all have a moment when we're born, boom, we're puffed out of the bubble machine, and we live life, and we do our thing, and we float, and we, like, get through things, and, uh, and then there's a moment that we reach when it's done. We get to the end of our life, and the bubbles are done. Right? And you can turn it off now. Um, this is the way out. No, no. Right? You try and catch them. So, so what he's saying is our life is like a bubble. Where did they all go? There's still some lingering. Man, there's some old bubbles out there. Right? Some of you live longer. Some of us live shorter. And some of these bubbles linger. But then they're gone. He's saying generation after generation comes, goes, comes, goes. Our life is short. When he's saying meaningless meat or vanity among fan, uh, vanity of uh, uh, vanities, he says, this is it. Our life on earth is only a vapor. That's it. Use it well. <laughs> if our life is short and we're trying to find meaning in this life, let's use the time we have in this earth well. Let's not waste it with meaningless things, right? Let's, man, this one's lingering. It's a little teeny one right here. Let's use it well. Life is short. I know when you're young, you don't know, you don't feel that when you're young, right? The older you get, the more you're like, wow, things get faster, things move faster, things happen quicker. Like, oh my gosh, life is like just, whew, it's like flying by the older you get. When you're young, you're like, ugh, can I be done with school? Ugh, can I be out of my parents' house? Ugh, right? It's like, like life can't move fast enough. And then you get to like my age and I'm like, slow down, please. I'm like in the middle, and I'm like, I still have like 40 years ahead of me, but I'm like, slow down. It's going too fast. I don't want to live a meaningless life. I want to live a meaningful life. But the problem in this world that we live in right now is people try to find meaning within themselves. That's the culture we live in today, a culture that's trying to find meaning within themselves. My personal meaning, my personal reality is my truth, and my truth matters more than your truth. So if your truth bumps up against my truth, I will be right. 
and you'll be wrong. And they're trying to find that meaning, that thing that is actually eternal, which is God, but they're trying to find it inside of their own person, their own reality, their own experience. They're, they're trying to do it by pleasing themselves. It's interesting talking to Isaac on our teaching team, and, and he spends a lot of times with students, college students, young adults, and, and the thing he talked about was how students look, especially right now in, in, in the collegiate world, colleges are basically trying to erase God is what they're doing, and they're trying to teach you how to think, not what to think, and the problem is they're not telling you that there is any truth, and so they're teaching these students that there is no truth, and then so students graduate thinking, well, there is no truth, so my truth and, um, and there, there's the highest rate of depression, the highest rate of anxiety in the history of our country. I'm like, there's a connection. There's a connection. They look at Christians and say, well, you guys are just trying to fool yourself that God's a real thing and the Bible's a real thing just so you feel safe. And really, people have been saying that for a long time. Christianity is just a crutch to make you feel good, but it's not real. And I would say, well, okay, well, let's, let's keep that mindset going. If, if I'm trying to find a Savior, I'm, I'm going to say you're trying to do the same thing, just you're trying to find it in sex. Or you're trying to find it in pornography. You're trying to find it on social media. You're trying to find it in a person. Another, you're trying to find it in your career. You're trying to find it in money. They're still searching for a Savior. They're still searching for something to find meaning. And I'm going to say, I don't think God is a crutch because he's the one that wrote it on the hearts of mankind. This is the culture of today. It's, it's this idea of hedonism, okay? If you know what hedonism is, this is what hedonism, hedonism. It's, it's pleasure, that, the idea that pleasure is the highest good, and it's the proper aim of human life. That's hedonism. Like, like me personally trying to find pleasure in life, like it, that's the highest good. If you can find it, awesome. Find it, live it up, enjoy it, and that's the proper aim of human life. If all of us find that, then we'll all be happy. We'll all find purpose, and it'll be great. But again, it's all found within who? Yourself. I'm going to be honest with you. That does not lead to a life of purpose or meaning. It doesn't. It just leads to inwardness, and you're going to find that you're not actually the thing that can solve all your problems. And when you can't, and that pleasure no longer does, where the heck are you going to go? You're going to go to a bottle. You're going to go to something else. You're going to go to something to appease yourself. And it's going to create a cycle. It's interesting. It's the same thing that Solomon said. They're going to pursue knowledge, wealth, pleasure, work, fame, sex. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same stuff over and over and over again. Uh, I've been studying, and it's weird. I didn't mean to do it, but I've been studying like in the 60s and 70s, okay? I don't know how many of you lived through the 60s and 70s, all right? All right? And you survived. Good job, right? Like you're here... <laughs> Because there was some crazy stuff happening in the 60s and 70s, y'all. Like, crazy stuff. If you think it's crazy now, you're like, it's really crazy. No, like, there was some crazy stuff happening in the 60s and 70s, right? It was the love, peace, and rock and roll, like, generating, right? Woodstock, 69. It's like, everybody just loves each other, man. Just flowers and nudity and whatever, whatever goes. And it's honestly, that was the highest sense of hedonism. It was like, we're just trying to be happy, and you be happy, and we're all happy, and, and we're all, how are we getting happy? Oh, we're getting happy, you know, like, like, and like they're doing drugs and they're smoking weed and they're doing like whatever they can do, LSD, like whatever they could do to find that sense of like, man, I'm just calm and everything's okay. And until they, the generation hit this wall, when they started seeing all the people they idolized, all these rock musicians, all the stars, all the famous people start to die doing the things that they were doing, like drug overdoses. And it started going, wait a minute, is that what I actually want? And like this whole generation of going through trying to experience full hedonism, like full like this is life pleasure, it didn't last that long. Why didn't that movement just become this is our culture and this is our society? Because it didn't work. Because they were still trying to find it within themselves. Then you had this whole generation of people that were like, well, now what? This isn't working. I keep trying this drug. I keep going to this thing. I keep trying to have sex and finding pleasure in this. And, and like they just keep trying to do these things over and over again. Out of the 60s came this movement called the Jesus Movement. The Jesus people showed up. And there was this movement that started on the West Coast. Chuck Smith. Um, uh, oh, shoot. I forgot the church name. Calvary. Calvary Chapel. 
where he let all these hippies show up to his church in barefoot and shorts, and they're like, what kind of church is this? Because back in then, those days, it was organs, pews, oh, you know, it was like, it was, and so like the hippies coming with their guitar music, you know, like that, they're like, it was like rebellion, you know, in the church, but he said, no, you need Jesus. All of a sudden, all these hippies were moving from drugs to Jesus because they found something real. And honestly, that was one of the great revivals in the history of America was this Jesus movement that happened from these people that were trying to find it in hedonism and they realized it was empty and now they found it in God and Jesus showed up and moved in their life and said, I am meaning. I set eternity on your heart and it started something new and powerful. But then all those hippies became yuppies. They moved from sex, drugs, and rock and roll to the banks. And then they tried to find it in wealth through the 80s. And they still didn't find it. So they added cocaine in there too, right? Like, it's crazy seeing generation after generation, all of us in our generations have tried to pursue this in our own ways in the culture that we live in. There's nothing new under the sun. We keep trying to find something real, but we're pursuing the fake. It's kind of like this. This is my bicycle. It's a mountain bike. It's a stump jumper, specialized stump jumper. It's old. Um, uh, I used to mountain bike. I say used to. And then I got old and fat. And so <laughs> now I street bike on small hills, okay? And, um, and the thing is with biking, like, I, it's the only thing I like to do. Anybody here like to run? You guys you got any runners, right? Okay, y'all are crazy. I don't get it. Like, because either you love to run, because if you don't like to run, running is like the worst thing in the world, right? Okay, so like for me, biking is like the experience of running, but it goes faster, right? So like, and it's easier on your body. And so this is my bike, and um, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? So uh, with my bike, in the wintertime, though, I can't go outside and ride because it's wintertime, and it's cold, and I hate winter, okay? I'm, I'm stuck in Ohio, and I hate winter. So I, I put this thing on this. I have this little stand here, and it puts it up, and I go down into my basement, and I get on my bike, and I start to exercise, Okay? Now, here's the thing. If I get on the bike and I just start exercising, the whole time I'm in my basement looking at my hot water tank. <laughs> so for my birthday, I got, I got one of these. Okay, these are really cool. Because now, let's see if it'll connect. See, see now, um, uh, create guardian. Oh, it's making me do all this stuff again. Switch to stationary, confirm. So I'm exercising, right? And, and on my bike, it's good exercise. I didn't plan on sweating this morning. Um, it's good to exercise. It's taking a while to connect. I had it all set up. Resume. Okay, are we on, Isaac? Oh, because I need to push another button. This worked a lot better when I practiced. You're just watching me with a headset on on my bike. <laughs> meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Okay. So now you're seeing what I'm seeing, right? See that? That's a car. Isn't that cool? And, uh, and so now in my basement, I put these on and I start pedaling. And this is really cool. And then I start biking. Isn't that cool? And so now, whoa, 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 what is that? So then I can stop because exercise is hard. Oh, wait, okay, I gotta go a little bit farther. Um, and now I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is Lake Cuomo in Italy. Our family got to go here this summer in real life and, uh, and see this in person. Now, I, I rode this road on my bike all last winter to get ready so I could drive on this one lane in a giant uh, Mercedes van. And the thing is, on this, when I see something I like, I just, I stop, and then I can just, like, hit the B button. What? Isn't that cool? I can look around, and I can see, like, if there's somebody walking, they blur out their face. Thank you, Google. Um, and I can stop and just look around and be like, this is an amazing view. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is an amazing view, okay? We, we stayed, I don't know if you can see my little thing. No, you can't really see it. Uh, we stayed like right around the bend over here in a, in a little house and got this view every morning for a couple of days in Italy. It, it is gorgeous. It was my favorite place I've ever been in my entire life. It is beautiful. Now, can I tell you something? 
When I take these back off, I'm looking at a hot water tank. <laughs> right? Like, for a moment, I'm in Italy, and I'm looking at a lake, and I'm biking, and I'm sweating, and I'm working. I feel like, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Wow, this is so awesome. But then I take the goggles off, and I'm still in my basement looking at a hot water tank. This is how most people live their life. We have so many things to distract us, and now, like, we've got virtual worlds that we can go to any time that we want to go to them, and, and people live life as if they're trying to find the next thing that pleases them. They're trying to put themselves in an environment like, yeah, that would please me, and so they hop there for a moment. They give it a shot, then they hop back out. Well, that didn't really work. Or they go to imaginary lands like I do when I bike in the wintertime, but still, when I take it off, I'm looking at a hot water tank. This is, this is what he's saying. Meaningless, meaningless. We're searching for the things that we'll never, we'll never find meaning in. They're temporary. They give us an illusion of comfort. They give us an illusion of something that's like, wow. But when it's over, it's over. It's a vapor. It's just poof. It's done. And I don't want us to be pedaling the wheels of life heading nowhere. I want us to be pedaling in life, going to where God wants us to be, and to find the meaning that we need to find. And some of us need to wake up, take off the goggles, and realize you're just looking at a water tank. You're trying. You feel like you're accomplishing something. You feel like you're moving forward. You feel like that thing of knowledge or wealth or pleasure or work or fame or sex is slowly getting to that sense of meaning, but it'll never actually get you there. You're just looking at a water tank in your basement with a headset on. <laughs> Hedonism won't get you there. Let's keep reading in Ecclesiastes. It says this uh, in chapter 2, verses 24 and 26, if you want to turn there with me. He says, a person can do nothing. So this is kind of a conclusion statement he gets to in chapter 2. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. He's like, that's, he's basically saying, it's not wrong to find satisfaction in work. But there's nothing wrong with that. Eat, drink, find satisfaction what we do. But this too, I see, is from the hand of God. So who delivered that? God did. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? He says, to the person who pleases him, God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. What? That's the thing we're looking for. Wisdom, knowledge, ultimate happiness, like satisfaction. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to the handed over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He's like, if you're, if you're trying to find satisfaction in life, if you're trying to work, there's nothing wrong with working hard, and there's nothing wrong with feeling that sense of satisfaction in life. He's like, pursue that, but realize it doesn't come from in you. It comes from God who made you, the God of eternity, the God who put an eternity in you. He's the one that gave you that ability. He's the one that put that desire, that work in you and for you. And he says, enjoy, eat, drink, work hard, and, and find wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But if you're living a life like a sinner, which I think is the picture of separated from God, if you're living separated to God, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to work, you're going to toil, you're going to collect, but then you're just going to die. And it goes to somebody else. And then that repeats generation after generation. Lost person after lost person just transferring what they've worked so hard for and they took nothing of it with them. Right? Okay, here's my other point. True satisfaction in life and work is from God. It can only come from God. Everything else is toiling and biking in your basement with VR glasses on. If you're trying to get it for yourself, it's not going to fulfill you. But when you find it in God, true satisfaction is something you can experience. It's okay to experience. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. God is the one that gives wisdom. He's the one that gives knowledge. He's the one that gives happiness and fulfillment. And he wants you to experience that in this life. There's nothing wrong with it. As long as we understand those things aren't the fulfillment of our life. You with me? Those things are a part of life. Enjoy them, but they're not the fulfillment of life. In the end, we're all bubbles. We're all vapor. Our life starts and our life ends. 
What we do in the middle matters. On your headstone, there's a beginning date, and for some of us, not for, no, for all of us, unless Jesus comes back, there's going to be an ending date on that headstone. And there's just this little dash in the middle. <laughs> and that little dash is our life. What are we doing with the dash? Where are we finding our actual true meaning? Because in the end, here's my last point, everything will be, will be revealed and rewarded in the end. When you get to that end date, when you're in the presence of God, when we experience the final judgment before God, everything that we did here on this earth will be revealed. There's nothing hidden under the sun. <laughs> it's all visible under the sun. Everything we've been a part of under the sun will be revealed in God's presence and be rewarded. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use rewarded as a positive and a negative. For the things that you did sinfully, if you are apart from God, you have not experienced the grace of God. If you don't know who Christ is, you have not experienced salvation. You're, quote-unquote, the sinner that's talked about in Ecclesiastes 2, and you have nothing to do with God. Your tasks, good and bad, will be fully revealed, and you'll get your due for the good and the bad. And unfortunately, the bad will always outweigh the good. Your unholiness is the thing that will be shown. And you'll be rewarded for that, meaning you're going to experience the judgment and the punishment attached to that. Now, if you have Christ, if you understand the gospel, that we all are sinners, we have all fallen short of the glory of God, we have all can't make it to heaven on our own goodwill and good power and goodness, that Christ paid for our reward. He paid the cost of our sin in the court of heaven. And when God sees you, he sees his son. He says, no, this one's forgiven. And you get rewarded for that which God has seen in your life, in heaven and in eternity. Let's read a couple of passages real quick to help us understand this point. Ecclesiastes 12 is the conclusion, okay? So at the very first sermon in the series, I'm jumping right to the conclusion, and then we're going to learn tidbits along the way, Okay? So this is where he finally, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the end of the book, this is what he says. Now all has been heard, and here's the conclusion of the matter. He's like, I've experienced it all, I've tried it all, I've everything in my life, I've, I've done it all, and here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Whoa. So he says, in the end, the conclusion of the matter, fear God. The one who put eternity, fear him. Like, not fear him like, like fear him like, whoa, awe, wonder, he is God and I'm not. Fear God and keep his commandments, meaning live for him. That little dash between the two dates, live for him. Let him be the ruler of the dash. Let him be the ruler of the vapor, of the bubble, of that thing in your life, that he would be the one that is at the center of your life. Hold and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind, meaning this is the call of all of us. We're all called because we're all called with eternity in our hearts to live for him. For God will do what? He'll bring every deed into judgment. He's going to see. It'll all be revealed and it'll all be rewarded in the end. So make it matter. Make what you do matter. If you want true satisfaction in life and work, put God at the center of life and work and let him do his thing. This is what uh, Jesus says in the New Testament. I'm bringing it back to what Jesus said in Matthew 16. This is what he said. He said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? He's like, meaningless, meaningless. Pursuing this world, hedonism. If I gain everything in this world, but I give up my soul. It says, for the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, Jesus, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. This is the promise of Jesus. He's saying, yeah, Solomon said it. Now I'm repeating it. 
I'm coming back in God's glory. He will return one day, and he will be the one in the process of bringing that judgment amongst all mankind. Everything will be rewarded in that moment in his presence. That's called eternity. Under the sun is what we have control of, and we can make decisions that affect eternity, what's not under the sun. I'm going to beseech you, brethren, that's a churchy word, to say, I want to plead with you. Would you let God be at the center of your life? Would you realize your salvation comes from nothing else you can try? Because everything else you try to bring salvation, happiness, fulfillment, is biking with a headset on. It's fake, and it'll be shown in the end. Would you let Jesus, the one that said, I am coming back, but the way I went is so that you could come with me. I made the way for you to be with me. This is the gospel message, and I never get tired of preaching the gospel here at New Hope because it is the whole message of the Bible. God is a God of redemption. God is the God that wants you to experience actual true meaning, and a meaning that meaning is found in eternity, which has been written on your heart, and that eternity is with God, and he wants you to be with him for eternity, and he made the way by sending his son to pay the price of your sin on the cross. The price of sin is death. And we all die. But we can all live forever. Christ paid and covers our sin before God. That's what he did on the cross. That was the atonement, right? He atoned for our sins on that cross. And he said, forgive them. <laughs> we receive that same forgiveness. And then three days later, we, you know, we've made it a holiday called Easter. But it's not a holiday. It's every day celebrated that Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave. And the tomb is empty. There's no grave on this planet that holds the bones of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because he is alive. Amen? And we get to, because he is alive, be alive with him as we invite him into our lives. When he becomes the center, we now start to live a life of meaning and purpose because now we're living for eternity and with eternity in mind. The bubble may be short, but man, I can feel eternity at the other side. And he wants you to be with him for eternity. Jesus said he is the only way to God the Father. There is no other way. There's no climbing the ladder of goodness. There's no other religion that can get you there. The only way is by saying, Jesus is my Lord. And he died for me on that cross. And I asked for forgiveness from him. And I invited him and said, I want to be with you forever. And I have faith. See, faith is that thing that we can't quantify. It's that thing that says, you know what? I know that I know that he did it for me. And if you want to know that you know that he did it for you, you can today. If you are what I would call a backslider in the faith, you knew God once, but you walked away. Here's the good news. God loves a prodigal son and daughter. He loves it when people who were lost get found. He celebrates that. Heaven rejoices in that moment. And now he is inviting you back to find meaning in life. Because it's just like that. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't lose your soul in pursuing knowledge, wealth, pleasure, work, fame, sex, to find out in the end God's the only one that can fulfill you. We're going to take some time to, to let God speak to us. And let me pray, and then, and then uh, we're going to take some time to respond, and we're going to respond to worship here in a moment, too. Would you guys just pray with me? God, thank you so much for this word this morning. And as, as we wrestle with this, as we think about bubbles and bicycles, <laughs> our life is a vapor. And too often we're on a bike thinking we're heading somewhere, but we're just sitting still. We want to be a people that find true meaning in life, not fake meaning, not not the meaning that the world's trying to make us think is actually meaning. Like, we want to find true meaning in life. And today, God, there are those in this room who are wrestling with this. 
And I'm glad they're wrestling. I pray that they would wrestle with you, that they would talk to you, that they would pray with you, they would talk to other people, and that they wouldn't wrestle alone. I pray, God, that by the power of your spirit, you are speaking into their hearts and lives right now in a way that I cannot, none of us can, only you can. I'm praying that you're calling them home to you, that they would experience the salvation that only comes from you. We can't be saved by what we do. We can't be saved by our goodness. We can't be saved by our works. We can't be saved by trying our best to get to you. We're only saved because of your grace, your grace that covers our sin in your presence. And that grace only comes because of what you did for us, the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And today, somebody needs to experience that. If it's you today, if God has helped me understand that eternity was written on your heart, and he is, you feel him writing it on your heart right now, you feel this Holy Spirit pulling you towards him, if that's you today, I'm gonna ask you right now to come before him, invite him to ask for forgiveness, to, to have faith, to know that you know that he can save you. And if that's you, just pray, just right now. Just say, God, I need you saved I need, I need you. I've been trying my best, and I know it's not working, and I want to make my life matter. So right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to you, God, give me Jesus. I confess that he died on that cross for my sins, and I want to be forgiven, so please forgive me. I want your Holy Spirit inside of me. I want, I want peace now, and, and I want that cap of eternity my heart filled so fill me up help me not run away from you anymore help me run towards you and so God save me and I just ask this in Jesus name alone is the name that I pray amen and God for all of us in this room as